Hello and welcome to From the Be All End, and this is the debrief of Burnley nil, Everton 2. Sean Dash has returned to Turf Moor and uh, a full squad available here. We have Chris Borden, Justin Connolly, Andrew Greaves and Paul Woodhouse to pick the bones out of that defeat and reflect on what was a pretty uh, disappointing uh, afternoon at Turf Moor. Um, Chris, watching that one, seeing Sean Dash come back, I mean... Everton looked every bit a Sean Dyche team, didn't they? And uh, Burnley looked very far away from that level of organisation and discipline and effort. Yeah, didn't didn't read the script at all. I think everyone in the ground, apart from uh, you know anyone associated with Burnley, knew knew, knew what was going to happen. You know that Everton would be, you know, typically you know competitive, aggressive. They'd be you know. Lethal at set plays, you know they'd let Burnley have the ball and and, and try and kill them, in, you know when they got their moments. And uh, you know the, again, you know the first goal's completely avoidable. You know from Burnley overplaying at the back, you know it's. I think we all appreciate that you know trying to play out from the back. You know it, they have given goals away on occasion. You know last season it was a a bit of a bugbear to start with until every you know everyone sort of. You know, came to terms with it. You know, it's worth taking the risk. If you know, risk and reward, isn't it? But uh, this season, the reward isn't there. And mm. uh, you know, D- James Trafford makes a you know a, a fabulous save. But then, you know, again, you get you get both sides of James Trafford. You know, from from making arguably his best save of the season to then flapping all over the show and being weak from a from a from a corner kick and a, you know, all of a sudden it's. You know, you're up against it, and you know the the second goal again. You know, it's it's a, a set play that uh, you know it's it's you know is is can, can he push it away further, Trafford? And and Darrow Shea mm-hmm. makes a pig's ear of it, and uh, Michael Keane, who we you know we know full well from his time at Burnley, is you know outstanding in both boxes when he gets his his, his moment. And at two 0 it's game over. But the, at no stage was there any sort of. Uh, you know, sense that Burnley were trailing. There was no urgency. There was no tempo. We, I said on mm. Twitter, you know, throw the kitchen sink at it. Me, have a go. I find myself screaming. Me, you know, me, me, me two lads were downstairs, and they, you know, Daddy, what are you shouting at? I was just saying, just win a tackle, win a tackle. At mm. one stage, Sand, even Sander Berger, I, you know, I, I, I really like. He jumps out of one second half, and he just. It's just basics. Do the basics before we start being, you know, ticky tacker, arty farty, you know, pep football. We're just not good enough to play that way at the moment. Justin, mm. you're nodding your head vigorously there. Yeah, well, I completely agree with it, with uh, everything that Chris has just said. I, I thought that it was disappointing and depressing. Disappointing because I think. 
after the sort of upturn in form that we've had, we, 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 we're looking for evidence that we're not flattering to deceive, aren't we? We're looking for that sort of next step on where we start picking up points against teams like Everton. I think broadly speaking, they're probably on a similar level to the likes of West Ham and Brighton at the moment. Um, that's where they'd be in the table if they didn't have this uh, points deduction. Yeah. Um, but it was just very weak, wasn't it? It was just back to the old, back to the old routine, giving away stupid goals from set pieces, and being completely unable to affect anything at the other end of the pitch with our offensive set pieces. I think, you know, the the, the that's the grit, the, the, that's the leveler in the game, in it. That's sort of the the area where everybody should be good at set pieces because those are the thing. Those are the, they're very sort of control situations, aren't they? Did we did we hit a corner that didn't hit the first man? Did we, or did we, or, apart from the ones where we played it short and then rather than take advantage of the better angle, we knocked it to somebody who sat on the edge of the box who then can't cross it in, and then it ends up back with James Trafford, and then he's sort of dwelling on the ball for twenty thirty seconds. It, well, you know that's not going to work, is it? So. Depressing also because uh, it's very, very difficult now to really sort of plot a path through the second half of the season where we're picking enough points to to stay in the division. If we can't if we can't get something out of games like that, I know we I know we're not even we're two games away from being halfway through the season, and I'm sure we'll pick up more points in the second half of the season than we did the first. But uh, I'm 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 struggling to see anything other than the abyss before me that I'm staring into. Woody, are you staring into the abyss? Constantly. <clears throat> <laughs> I mean, I wasn't I wasn't really expecting anything yesterday at all. I was expecting some form of comfortable win for Everton. But I didn't expect us to really, really not even think about getting into the game. And it's so easy for some of these more physical sides to turn up. And Everton weren't great yesterday, irrespective of what kind of run of form mm. that they are on. They were not great. They had four missing, didn't they? You know, they played with, they started off with uh, McNeil as a wing back. There should have been a, a better option of trying to exploit that space behind him. But did we? No, all they did was push up, bully us a little bit, and then that was it. As we've seen throughout Vincent's tenure, uh, if the side's a little bit bigger than us, a little bit more physical than us, we're struggling. And we've struggled as much as we've struggled against anybody yesterday against that level of physicality. And I, I remember the, the final whistle and Anana was stood next to uh, VK walking off. And he just is three or four inches taller than VK. And we've got nobody <laughs> near apart from Berger who can even contest on that level. So from a physical perspective, we have absolutely no chance. You could paint as orange and we'd be shitting a Willy Wonka league. We'd be terrible. <laughs> Greasley, I mean, Greasley, follow that. I mean, it, it wasn't good, was it? No, I mean, I actually thought the, the second half, we controlled the game fantastically, which would have been brilliant if we'd have been the team 2-0 up. Because if you'd have watched yeah. that, you'd have gone genuinely... Mm. Yeah, it we managed like the game. Up because I, I think I checked in on the turf. I went to visit my grandma, and uh, I checked in on the turf. And amazingly, Bayer, Trafford, and O'Shea still just playing triangle passes 
24 hours after. Honestly, they're still there. You know, there's nobody else there and people are going, you can go home now, lads. No, no, we just, VK just wants us to do this a bit. You know, we just, we just got to get these passes right. That lack of urgency is just, it's depressing. I mean, you look at the chances, you know, Berger hits the bar and I think Brun Larson's possibly offside when he heads it back to Berger. I'm doing it's a great save from Pickford. So you kind of go, you know what, when we try, we create openings, but then we just don't bother trying. And you sat there and you're going, we're playing like we're 2-0 up. Hmm. Because if that would have been that would have been the perfect game plan. If we'd have got ourselves ahead, you'd have gone, that's great. The most frustrating thing, and I, you use the word depressing, and it is, it's the first time I've come off this season and gone, God, that's depressing. And Chris, like you said, five months of watching that shower is not really an appealing kind of, uh, you know, prospect. It's just that kind of, this is just like the West Ham game, just like the Palace game. We mm. could have beaten Everton. We could have got something from that game. But it's that bringing the subs on as late as he did. You bring Benson on, and then all of a sudden you're ready two more subs after Benson. You think to yourself, just bring them all on together. They all came on 10, 15 minutes too late to affect the game. Um I mean, I saw some of the player ratings on on up the Clarets, and um, yeah, there some brutal ones. Absolutely brutal, and you know, I, I thought Brun Larson was probably the pick of a very very bad bunch. Um, you know, but there was just really? nothing. We started I so well. Huh. I tell you what, with Brun Larson, with Brun Larson, he's in the first half. Uh, sorry, no, it was, uh, no, it was. Uh, it was second period. He plays a, plays across a ball from the right-hand side. He takes it on his chest, plays it right foot, so he's, he's wrong foot, fizzes it over. It's a dream of a ball. Where's nobody? Mm. Nobody has the desire or the heart to or anything there, to, yeah. go and, to go and attack it. I don't care if they, if they don't get there. I bloody attack the thing. That's why we're crap at set plays, because there's nobody yeah. got the desire to go and put their, put their body on the line and, and this is mine, you know. I say, watching United, then you're watching the young lad Hoyland, and I don't want to pick on him, but he's he's a young lad. He hasn't got that in him yet to lead the line at United. And at, at Burnley, we're, we're exactly the same. You know, point putting the ball in the box. You know, they're, they're launching the ball up, and you've got Tarky there who looked like well, he, he could have ragdolled any one of <laughs> Burnley's players. Sheer his shirt physicality of it. Yeah, his shirt what he needed washing. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, you didn't even spot Tarkan. His shirt would not need washing. I mean, Michael Keane looked like Beckenbauer. You know, the way he were able just to stroll about. In, you know, and I, I, honestly, I just, I don't know. Somebody just needs to shake Vincent and just say, you know, this it, it's his tactics that are killing us. Because I actually think he competes slightly better. I mean, we've talked about the need for a big, strong central midfielder. Yesterday was probably the game where you introduce Cullen into that midfield as a three. You you give up your amdouille mm. to try and win that battle in that midfield. Um, I mean, we restricted them really to a couple of, you know, yes, there's that brilliant save from Trafford, but they didn't create much because they didn't need to. Perfect, Sean died at performance. Exactly. Two set pieces. Exactly. Trafford is at fault for both goals. I don't care what anybody says. He he should do better on both those goals. And this isn't any kind of anti-Trafford rant because he's played well. But the problem is we've no consistency. We we were praising him last week against Brighton, saying what you know what a tonic that was. Winning you know sorry not winning winning a point ugly, holding out 
And then this time we're 2-0 down before half time because we've crumbled like a you know pack of cards again when anyone's bigger than us. I mean, Vitinho's marking Dominic Calvin-Lewin, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, you've got kind of Amduni on Tarkowski. You're just thinking to yourself, you're not even setting. I mean, that set-piece coach comes to end at, edge at technical area whenever there's a set piece in either box and you just think to yourself, Christ, who, who is, what are we doing Monday to Friday? Mm-hmm. Because you think, all right, Brun Larson's on corners now because Brownhill's shite on corners, never beats the first man. And then Brun Larson don't beat the first man. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody must be, somebody must be able to kick a ball further than that first, first man. Is is a good, is a good question for you, which I, I sometimes think about, you know, you know, when sort of things are going badly and the commentator on TV says, Oh, the manager will be open. We can just get to half time so we can get him in and sort it out. Have we ever had a game where half times come and things have changed dramatically after the break? Because no. I can't think of one. It doesn't seem like he gets them in and gives no. them a good ball. The villa. Of good. You know what yeah, I mean? It's just the villa, the villa game. The villa for about 10 minutes. Mm. Yeah. We, we came out with intensity, yeah. but. Against Everton, I thought we started really well. You're kind of like, you're pinning them in. Right, this is good. This is what we want. Intensity, yeah, intensity. Yeah, first off. And it just, you know, literally then, a bit like with Palace, as soon as they break, you know, they have the great save from Trafford. They get the first goal and you just go, we ain't getting back into this. There's not a chance. We, we're just not aggressive enough. You know, we're just not aggressive enough. And I don't know if it was you, Justin, or Chris said, you know, get, Chris, get the basics right before you start with a tiki-taka. Because you've got, mm. I mean, if you can't, I mean, United have played really well today at Liverpool and been battered, but they've put bodies on the line, got the blocks in, just do the basics. And we're not doing the basics. And it's, you... well, we're not doing either, are we? We're not, no, we're no, not, play, no. we're not playing, we're not playing ticker tacker. We're not playing attractive. Fo- I mean, it was laughable watching some of the Sky discussion afterwards and they're saying, I think he's going to, you know, Jimmy Radnap's going, I think he's going to have to adjust things a little bit, Vincent, there. You know, he's got he's got to work a little <laughs> bit on. And you're like, he has adjusted things. We've all been watching mm-hmm. it for four or five weeks, unlike Jamie Redknapp, and, and we've seen him adjust it. We're just not very good at what we've adjusted to. That's the problem. Like, we're not, being a solid, more solid 4-4-2 side, it's fine, but if you don't defend properly and you can't do the basics right, as Chris says, then the 4-4-2 thing doesn't work. I don't think it's got a lot to do with tactics, to be honest. I think... And, and and let's throw no. this one out there, you know. Who did, talking... who did the best? Yeah, who did the basics well last season? Cork, Barnes, J Rod, Charlie mm. Taylor. You know, Mary. <laughs> leave the leave the young lads to do their bit, but you, you strip out that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of people saying we miss Barnes, and I know like. A lot of people would have, you know, would have would have got rid of Barnes, you know, a long time ago. Obviously, fitting way for him to go out last season, but they are they're missing that, you know, some guy you can hang your hat on that's gonna just be a bloody pest, you know, put his body into, the, you know, put mm. his body on the Except line, win, the win, kicks, win you know, yeah. yeah. There's no leaders there. The, the problem we have in so many young players, I think, is is young players will tend to think it's somebody else's job, won't they? You know, I'm a young lad in this team. Somebody else is going to... I mean, you know, Bayer is the leader of our defence. And how old is he? Like 24, if that, you know? Mm. Um, Yeah. You know, you you look through that side, there's, there's, you know, we're no Cullen in midfield. You know, the old head in that team is Sander Berger, who's been with the club for three months. So, you know, the question for me is, therefore, you know, 
is it really tactics? We've played two different, two or three different ways of playing with the same effect. Is it really selection? Well, we've tried different players in different positions and it hasn't really changed things radically. Um, ultimately, it's the recruitment, isn't it? Isn't that what it comes down to? I mean, if we, if Jamie Redknapp, the one point he did make good was you look at every corner and you just think Everton are going to win it because yeah. they're, they're, they're a big, strong physical team. They've got lots of players over six foot and Burnley don't. Yeah. Well, Vincent Company has selected those players. A, a guy who was a centre-half in the Premier League <laughs> who knows what it takes has chosen mm-hmm. those players to be out there and be in, in situations where they have to defend a free kick or a corner. So is it, is it tactics or is it that the players we brought in just really aren't this year up to the Premier League? I think it's absolutely that they're not up to the, up to the Premier League. And the cl- and co- company and the club have sort of acknowledged that, haven't they? It's, it's, it's throwing them in at the deep end and hoping them, they'll improve. But I think, I, think, I think the bottom line is if you're spending 100 million plus in, in a single transfer window, then you've got to be doing better than we're doing, haven't you? You've got, to, you've got to be spending that money. I mean, some of that money's clearly been wasted on players who are never going to make it to the, to, to the grade required. The gamble is that one or two of them are going to make it to the grade and get that money back. But they're, they're going to be worth, you know, half what they might be worth in the Premier League if they go down to the Championship next season. So is that is the whole project banjoed then? Is the whole thing... Is is it is it all based on us scraping staying in the Premier League this season? That, that's and that's the real big worry I think at this point where we, we stare we're looking at that and thinking, you know, we talk about one, of, <laughs> you know, we've already got the hundred million pound player, haven't we? Well, you you tell me who it might be because yeah. I can't see one. Yeah. Who's it, well, who's who... increased the valuation other than Collie Osho? You know, definitely I think, not, definitely said, not Trafford. I'm, well, Am Am Dooney's done well, and he's shown that he's you know he's a gifted technical footballer, he's a clever footballer. But if Burnley get relegated, is someone going to spend you know what sort of like eighteen million euros on on Am Dooney? He's not enhanced mm. his reputation. It's a they've overspent for him. You know, Odebert, I can say yeah, I I can see that. You know, sort of ten million euro. You know, reportedly, I can see him sort of. You know, maybe with a few more appearances, sort of, you know, up in that, up in that fee. But let's see, Trafford's vastly inflated fee. Oh, Shay, you ain't getting that back. Tre- uh, Trezor, <laughs> at the, as it stands, you ain't getting that back. You know, Ber- Berger, I think, you know, Ber- I think, the, you know, the Berger came at a good at a good price, and uh, you know, for 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 his Premier League experience and a player, you know, I think Sheffield paid. Uh, you know, considerably more for, but uh, and it, if they are to be relegated, how many of these players have come here to play A for Vincent Company, B in the Premier League? How many mm. want to stick around to play? You know, you, you know, the Championship football. I just don't. And then again, you're over a barrel where where Premier League sides who, who do you know whichever the players they they might want to take know that those players want you know want to go. Mm. How many of them have clauses in their contracts as well? I mean, mm. we've done that before, haven't we? So, yeah. We are being linked with a player, though, this morning. Alan Nixon reporting that uh, we are keen to do a £15 million deal with Marseille for their midfield destroyer, Papa Destroyer. Mm. Papa Gouye, or Gaye. Um, 
He's played twice Senegalese. last season, though. Senegalese international. Yeah. Mm. Is he going to? Is that much of a destroyer? That much of a destroyer. He's played twice for him all season. There you go. Uh, but who's going to want to come to a team who are bottom of the league and look destined to go into championship anyway? I mean, this January window, I'm seeing quite a lot of people going, if we can get a few in in January, we might have a fighting chance. And a, and a midfield yeah. destroyer would be great. But like you say, what kind of player is going to want to come to Burnley? Mm-hmm. Uh, and somebody who's willing to go into the championship, surely. Mm-hmm. Unless we're doing another Vegos-type deal. I don't know. Woody, mm-hmm. I mean... Is it just is it is this season just a write off? Do you think is it was the transfer recruitment so naive, so optimistic, or so business focused, mistakenly that that this season just a write off now? I think going back to the recruitment, I think a microcosm of this we were shown in the second half yesterday, round about sixty six minutes, he took off Delcroix, didn't he? and then brought the keel on at right back, shoved Vitinho over to left back, then 15 minutes later brought on Redmond at left back for Vitinho. And <laughs> that game didn't need, a, uh, you know, didn't need musical fullbacks, you know, and that shows everything that's currently wrong with regards to both recruitment and the tactical nous and reading the fucking game. And it was mm. staggering to me what was going on there. But it's maybe got, it's got Connor Roberts. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it shouldn't be a write-off. We shouldn't be saying the week before Christmas, well, let's just write this off and and, and see what develops. We shouldn't be saying that. You know, mm. but put, put that down it feels, the, it feels like that. It feels like that. Should put that down from the from the BLN Christmas party <clears throat> games. Musical fullback. Musical I did. I did see. Um, I did see a report over the weekend that uh, you know Matson's on his way out of Chelsea in this transfer window, and it, it was it was suggested in that po- that he'd sort of said, "I'm still in touch with Vincent Company, so you never know. Let's see what happens." But as you like you say, Simon, why why would he why would he want to come back to Burnley? Given you know the the fact that there's every chance that next season he won't be playing in the Premier League who who knows but um, certainly our chances of picking up players like that uh, are going to be limited in January because not only is not only is Championship football on the horizon but it's going to be a tough <laughs> tough running to the end of the season isn't it for anybody so you know that's another thing to worry about it is it is Reading, reading some of the social media stuff, and and, and I, know, I know you know that's not always a good gauge of where the fan base is, but you do hear this quite a lot. That well, we'll go down, we'll walk Championship again, and then Vincent will learn his lessons. I mean, I must have read and heard that about ten times in the last mm. twenty-four hours. And we'll come back up, Vincent will learn his lessons, and it'll be will be better for the experience. I watched Ipswich Norwich yesterday. And I'm not seeing us walking past either of them two sides. The way I know we're a derby game and they're all fired up and everything. Um, I mean, is there? It seems like there's this sort of weird complacency, arrogancy around that, like just because we did it last year with a with a different team, that if we mm. go down, well, we'll just piss championship. Mm. You know, I mean, I keep I keep mm. hearing that we're oh, you, oh we're ahead of schedule. It was a three year plan. Well. When when that happens and you get promoted at the first attempt in your three year plan, you re you know, you reschedule. You know, they've yeah. gone out and spent yeah, exactly. they've gone out and spent yeah. in excess of a hundred million pounds. Well, surely that 
amount of money should have been spent to rectify that, to make sure that we are on schedule to do our, no, bring in the players necessary that will keep this talented side up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and that's it. If we go back down again, like I say, there's absolutely no guarantee they get promoted again. Uh, and what and what sort of state is the squad in? Like like we're saying, who how many of these talented young lads are, you know, you know, A gonna stay, B gonna get, you know, any anywhere near the sort of fees that we spent on them in the first place. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it's obvious, isn't it? I, the team that f- finishes with 101 points, so far ahead of everybody else in the championship, has got. I, I don't buy this. Like, oh, there's a massive gap between that. That team has got to be competitive in the Premier League, isn't it? So we go. We go back to that question again, don't we? Why didn't we just get those loan players in when we could? As soon as the transfer window opened, we still have a lot of change left from hundred million. If we if we did sign those players, and then fill the gaps in the squad with a bit more quality, it's just yeah. like the the it's it's already already seems like a busted flush. We played our hand, and the project is 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 not working. I think they will be expected to be way ahead of where they are now. I think I think like like Simon says, there's an arrogance about it that says, well, you know, it's going to come good, it's going to come good, it's going to come good, and it it it, it seemed like it seemed like things were getting better, but that that on Saturday was just oh, it was just we talked about you know two steps forward, one step back. That was about four or five steps back, wasn't it, to yeah. where we were before? And I just sort of think, well. But what do you do now? What do you? What's the next stage in this? Do we just keep plowing on with it? Because what we're not, what's not going to happen is they're going to sack. They're not going to sack company, nor should they. That we're not going to spend a lot of money in January to try and put this right. Because, like, like, like everyone's saying now, we're not going to attract those players now. Are we? We're not. We're not going to be able to say to those players who 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 we need. Things are going to get better. Things are, you know, we're going to be playing in the in the Premier League next season. So, what do you? Where do we go from this? Do we just keep ploughing on and just see what happens, or a big change is needed? What do we do? I think the big problem is is this, and I said this this morning at football. I said, when when does somebody step in? And this is part of the problem. We'll come on to the off the field kind of stuff, but we and I think we've touched on this before. There's nobody at that club who knows how to run a football club. And that is becoming increasingly even more obvious than it ever has been. I mean, I think, you know, somebody said, you know, before, it, it's becoming increasingly like that football club is some kind of weird country club for ALK and their mates to kind of, you know, have this wonderful hospitality, Premier League football, et cetera, et cetera. But we know that Alan Pace is so in awe of Vincent Company that he ain't he ain't challenging him. There's no challenge there. And we've we've said this before, and Simon, you've you've you know posed the question, does he need an experienced head as an assistant who will pull him to one side and say, look, this is shite. We need mm-hmm. to change stuff. Um and this is the problem, you know, and I said this morning, when when does somebody challenge company on his stubbornness to not, you know, to to change things wholesale and admit that you know what, actually, I've been a Jack Cork, and I know Jack's injured, but, um, you know, Redmond, we've got a ready-made Premier League player who's still only 29, I think, on the bench, 
who could add that experience, who could, you know, be that person who goes, look, lads, you know, you've never been in this position before. I have had them moments with Southampton. You mm. know, this is what we need to do. We need to dig deep here and there. But just to get bullied at every single set piece, to be rubbish when we get the ball up at the other end in set pieces, to not, and I, I, I think, Chris, you said about Berger, you know, pulling out of that challenge. I mean, that is the unforgivable. You know, you cannot be pulling out of challenges when you play for Burnley Football Club. I mean, you can't be pulling out of challenges when you play for anybody. I don't really give a stuff about anybody else. But it, it, there's a whole kind of weird kind of malaise, I think, within the football club. Mm. And also because we've got people who do not know how to run a fucking football club. As simple as that. It, mm. is, it is just, in, at every single level, we've got patches who are just not up to the job, who are incompetent, who don't have the experience. I mean, the fan experience guy, Russell Ball, is a bloody estate agent, for Christ's sake. I mean, mm. what he knows about fan experience as an estate agent, you know, who often rank lower than us guys as journalists on the most trusted <laughs> list, I should say, as well. Slightly <laughs> more politicians, but definitely the road journalists. You know, everything about it you know you think about that backbone we talked about the on the field backbone the off the field backbone of that football club completely mm. gone you know people who don't know how to run a football club people who don't know what they're doing and that has crept onto the pitch because there's nobody there willing to challenge vincent about the summer recruitment about what he's going to do to put it right you know chris keeps saying on, on the whatsapp group of the Simon, where's the jeopardy there's no jeopardy everything's going unchallenged you know it's all just Oh, we get a chance. Don't forget, stopping goals going in is the easiest job. Yeah. You know, the Man City game is the worst we'll play all season. Yeah, it's no, nothing. There's nothing to analyse. Yesterday was yesterday's. Yeah. Uh, oh, God, great! Yeah. but it's just the difference I... in both boxes. Well, it's not. It's all. No. It's a difference in the bit between our box and the King Centre line, the halfway line. When <laughs> we're playing these little passes and we're. We're faffing about with it. Bear loses, you know, doesn't even know where the ball is at one point. Trafford's dawdling so much he gets challenged at one point. Mm. It's just, the whole thing is just bullshit. But if everything it, seems to be on a loop, doesn't it? Like this yeah. repeat loop. I mean, even 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 like the social media and, and the post-match interviews that the club do with their own media staff, you know, it's like, uh, so uh, disappointing day today. What positives can we take from that? Every week, the same question. You know, Vincent, what are your emotions? He even bit a little bit yesterday and said, you don't yeah, need to yeah. ask me about my emotions, you know. Yeah. He must be sick of those questions. But you know, don't forget, uh, don't forget on Tuesday, we'll have a couple of training pitches with continuing yeah. to strive. We go the again. We go continues. again. We go again. I mean, yeah. it's just... Let's it's say, it's towards Fulham. I say everyone's prism. Everyone's prism of the Premier League experience is different. You know, you get those who, I'd say, well, Sean's first season in the Premier League, who everyone expected that team to go down because it wasn't good enough. And they spent 10 million quid. They spent more on the training ground. And that was all, that was, an, it was expected to go down. You know, that that was, people are saying, oh, Sean got a chance. Well, yeah, Sean got a chance because he spent, he bought Lucas Jukovic and Marvin Sordell and Matty Taylor and Stephen Reid. You know, mm. they weren't good enough. And they, and he had a right good goal, and they stayed in it until you know two three games to, to to go sort of thing with a plan that I'm building the infrastructure and we're going to come back stronger and they win the league and and they go again. But you know if you get into Europe and does that change people's prism? That can, is that the ceiling? Can we break that ceiling? And 
you know, ever since then, maybe I'm judging Vincent harshly and I'm judging him because of the amount of money he spent in the summer. And I'm not looking at, you know, the overall plan and the, you know, the, this, you know, bedding in young lads with a, with, you know, with a, with a, with a, with a view to, to making, you know, vast sums in the future but if mm. you spend that that amount of money and the and the return is so tepid on the pitch it's anemic mm. it's it, it, it i just like I, I genuinely don't know if you if you're the season ticket holder and you've got another five months of this mm. it, it's just soul destroying mm. and you know what does that do when you when you go down in that shape when you've gone down with a with a with a whimper you know, again, Burnley weren't good enough two years ago, but at least they, they took it to the last bloody game. They were crap, and they took it to the last game. But you know, it, it, this this <clears> season, they'll be, they'll be done and dusted in February or something. At this rate, yeah, it does feel like that. It does feel like that. I mean, I, know, I can tell, I can tell that Greaves is itching to get onto some uh, off the field issues. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, before before we yeah. do go there, though, let's just you know. I, Acknowledge the fact it was, as we talked about on in Friday's pod, you know, a bit of an occasion. Sean Dyche coming back um, looked a great reception on television. You could hear the chants. You'll always be a claret. The whole ground applauding him as he came out. It, it seemed it seemed very good. Um, one thing in the Sunday Times though this morning um, in their match report just mentioned this. I'm going to read from it very briefly. Alan Pace, the Burnley chairman, failed to mention Everton manager Sean Dyche in his pre-match programme notes, although his former manager wasted little time in reminding him of his talents. It was certainly questionable etiquette that while opposite number Vincent Company paid tribute to his predecessor's decade at Turf Moor, Pace chose not to make any reference to the man he sacked in April 2022 after 425 games, two promotions and a foray into Europe. Woody, is that bad form? Do you think, or are they are they making a mountain out of molehills with uh, program notes? No, you can read quite a bit into that, can't you? That that means there's been a little bit of a falling out. It's a very it's a very un-American thing to do. Is that they're very good at bullshitting and, and glossing over and being quite nice. It's a it's the least that they can do, and obviously it's almost making a point, not saying anything about Dash and his tenure, which. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a rum do is that there's something a little bit off. Dig into it. Hmm. You think you think so, or is it just that Alan Pace also maybe needs someone next to him to have a word and <laughs> uh, remind him of stuff? I mean, I'm sure there's one or two. I'm sure um, Bobby Ball or whatever his name is um, can at least point out that he should be saying something a little bit more kind to a guy who was there for ten years that he shit canned. So it's not a difficult thing to work out. They're not, Justin, I mean, I mean, history, Dash... though, they? They're not big Sorry, fans of history, are they? They're not big fans. I mean, they took down all the player, ex-player pictures. I, I, I almost get the, the feeling that it's kind of like that was then ground zero, start with Vincent, you know, and L- LED screens. And, you know, that that's very yeah. undice-like. And it's, you know, that's in the past. We don't have time for the past. Forget that, you know. It, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm appalled that he didn't make reference. I don't bother buying a program these days because they always just get wet and creased, don't they? But I'm, I, you know, I'm just appalled that somebody didn't advise him in his media team when, I mean, let's be honest, he doesn't sit there and write it himself, does he? Let's be honest, we've all probably ghost written columns and things for for newspapers, but. Mm. I mean, I just find it amazing, you know, from all the stuff that Vincent had done before and talking about, you know, 
Sean's tenure. Uh, it's a shoddy, shoddy way to treat somebody like that. It really is. Uh, but Dice had the last laugh, you know. <laughs> he, he he knew what he, yeah, he knew he was going to come away from here with a fourth straight win, you know, for Everton not conceding a goal and probably notching two. He, he could, you know, I know betting in football is not allowed, but he could have put his bloody mortgage on them coming here and beating us two 0 and you know gone away quite a rich and happy man, even richer than he were when he left when when Pace potted him. I thought he handled it all very well in his interviews. You know, exactly it's as you'd expect from Dash to be, to be fair. Yeah. Justin, I mean, inside the ground, it seemed, it seemed like I'm watching on TV, it seemed like a warm reception. Uh, what was it like? What was it like? Yeah, I mean, what, the, 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 one, the one problem with that was as he walked out, the uh, overexcited stadium announcer was, was sort of giving the teams out and... The sort of, I mean, I didn't hear people chanting, you'll always be a claret. I mean, he got a very, very warm reception. I think he acknowledged it. You know, we were we were on our feet applauding him when he came out and he was applauding us back. But that sort of team team uh, announcement sort of, uh, uh, they seem to have, have um, tried to sort of up the atmosphere by turning that guy's, the, that guy's voice up a little bit because... I, I, I couldn't hear much else. I don't know whether that was whether that had been been done on purpose or not. I, I very much doubt whether not mentioning uh, Daesh in the in the program notes was was unintentional. I'm sure that they did that on purpose. I don't know why. Just seems really sort of oh, just so so pathetic really <laughs> you know and also and also a bit petty and a bit sort of even a li- even in some ways a little disrespectful to the fans because we've got a shared history with Sean Dyche haven't we that we want that we we had an opportunity there to acknowledge that we didn't have when he left because you know he didn't have that final game did he he didn't have that chance to say goodbye after after a, a, you know a, 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 all those years that he kept in the Premier League and did a fantastic job. We didn't have that, and that. So this game is our first chance to say that to him, to say thank you, to to acknowledge what he's done, and to not mention it in the in the program notes, and to have the have the guy shouting the team out over while he's walking out onto the pitch. Petty's the word for it, and so so disappointing. So it's a it's it's just a low blow, isn't it? What's the point? Yeah. Don't forget, Pace said uh, Dash had a, a job for life, didn't he? Just uh, yeah, yeah. three months before potting him. So I think we can take most things that um, our glorious leader uh, says at uh, you know, uh, at, you know, very face value because um, two face value perhaps. But um, but yeah, I thought it was a I thought it was a really warm reception. He, he you know mm. clapped all sides as he did after the game. Um, glad we didn't. Right. Oh, I think there were a couple of boos for McNeil, which I didn't really get in the cup game at Goodison. Um, you know, but he got quite a nice reception when he went to take a yeah, corner he did. and he off did, over yeah. the Jimmy Mack and Bob Lord stand. So, hmm. yeah, I just find it. Yeah, you're right. It's just petty, but perhaps I might be being harsh to be expected. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. You'll always be a claret. It's a good chant. I like that chant because you've to have earned that chant, haven't you? Actually, most chants are like meaningless, just silliness, aren't they? Really, but that chant means something. Really, I think to somebody to be a claret, you know, and to to be in that category, you, you could you could spend an afternoon chatting about 
which of our former players do you consider to be a claret that they did enough to earn that sort of name really and there's absolutely no doubt that Sean Dyche did and Tarkovsky and probably Michael Keane and, and Dwight McNeil too um, who I thought had a good game actually I thought he looked uh, I thought I think he looked a bit stronger didn't he he looked a bit you know a bit more physical that physicality about him but um I don't think Alan we'll Pace do has got. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Alan Pace has got to the "you will always be a claret" stage yet, has he? Um, I thought you were going to say Alan Pace what? ain't got any physicality, and that's probably also true. <laughs> but apparently, I mean, apparently the uh, I think Sean was saying uh, that they, they'd met at Crow Wood, and he, you know, Sean had sort of said, you know, shook his hand and said, you know, everything all right, sort of thing. But it's like I say, it's just petty. See, it's it's an easy win. I mean, he don't even have to write anything about it. Just put a collage of his achievements on on, on a page in the program, you know, with a picture of Sean at the centre of it. You know, just just do something to mark the fact that you know the greatest modern day manager, Burnley's greatest manager since Harry Potts, you know, is coming back for the first time to Turf Moor, and it's just to to like I've seen it a few times. You said, particularly in the summer with some players who departed who barely merited a sentence. And it's just, mm. like I say, it's just cheap. Just get a grip, you know. Have some respect. One thing that uh, we haven't really had for a long time at Turf Moor has been trouble in the crowd, like people getting upset, kids crying, parents being concerned, atmosphere turning sour. But yesterday... There were reports, and not only reports, eyewitnesses, including people on this podcast who, who witnessed uh, what went on yesterday. Um, Greavesy, tell us what went on, first of all, before we get into it. Yeah, so I sit in the James R. Greaves upper um, block closest to the Jimmy Match stand. And every single game this season, the, the row behind us has been populated by either uh, American corporate guests. So we've had, um, I can't remember which game it was. I think it was the second home game. Um, we had a group of people who were over on a Mormon mission, very, very polite, you know, looking forward to it. I think they were also going to a Preston North End game. Um, or we've had away fans and we've had United fans and they were getting a little bit, a little bit gobby and, you know, it caused one of our party just to say, come on, lads, you're in an old end here, sit on your hands. And they disappeared back into corporate at half-time and never re-emerged. Um, yesterday, we had some Everton fans who were, you know, quite boisterous, chanting, you know, Premier League's corrupt and the, the Everton songs, joining in with, with those in the cricket field. Um, and then when they scored, it just, it just kicked off. It just went off. Now, prior to that, somebody from... Um, a couple of rows in front of us did go down and have a word with a steward. And to be fair to the steward, I mean, this lad was probably early 20s at best. Um, you know, wouldn't have thought his way out of a wet paper bag. But it's not his job. You know, he's, as somebody said on Twitter, he's there to direct traffic, essentially. He's there to mm. show people to the seat, show people where the toilets are. He's not security as such. He's, you know, he's here to help. That's what he says on the back of his fluorescent jacket. Um, and nothing happened. And then all of a sudden, it's it's kicking off and... It got really kind of tetchy very, very quickly. And, you know, people were squaring up to each other. And we had a bloke fly past us, you know, and land on the, the row in front of us. And, and you know, no stewards to be seen for a good kind of So, three, like, four. punches thrown, like proper... Pun yeah, punches thrown, mm. scuffles, grabbing the necks, things like that. And then the stewards came in, the kind of security stewards came in. 
and just made the whole thing worse. I mean, there were people kind of, you know, some of the stewards were weighing in and, you know, by this point, I've, by this point, I've decided to stand up. <laughs> I just sat there with my back to it. Decided to stand up and kind of try and separate a couple of people and things like that. Um, but it was just it, just disgraceful scenes. You know, there were kids two or three rows in front of me kind of being moved down towards the concourse. Um, it, it took probably 10, 15 minutes to kind of get the situation under control, um, by which point Russell Ball, Bobby Ball, as uh, is so eloquently referred to by Woody, uh, turned up and basically, you know, was was kind of hiding in the, the stairwell, kind of just keeping an eye watching. By this point, everybody had gone. You know, all the Everton fans had gone. Um, so I went down and had a, a, a brief word in his show, like, and um, just, you know, told him what I thought of the situation about it being, you know, the club's ticketing system and things like that. And he basically said to me, look, once they go on general sale, anybody can get them. We have no control over who gets them. Now, I thought the whole point of these ridiculous membership schemes was that you had to have a membership to, to guarantee a ticket first and foremost. Um, but the whole thing's just a shambles. It just kind of, it, it feeds into what I said earlier, that they've got people who are just not up to the job running things. I mean, the fan experience this season has been, you know, dreadful on every single level from the, the ridiculous decision to kind of talk about bringing a drummer in to then disappearing that idea from flags to the catering offering and the catering issues we had. You know, I mean, I don't know what Russell Ball does Monday to Friday, we were talking about set pieces. Maybe Russell Ball's in, in charge of set pieces <laughs> because it's about his competence level. Because, you know, he, he he was like a rabbit in the headlights when I went down to speak to him. He had no idea. He said, well, we struggled to get security and police here because we were dealing with things in five different areas of the ground. And you just kind of go in, this is people, and they were mostly corporate, who are paying a premium to have, you know, street food in the Jimmy Mack stand and then are being brought into the James Hargreaves upper to be seated. Um, we're recording this at half seven UK time on Sunday. Still no acknowledgement from the club, despite me kind of calling them out and lots of people kind of giving their opinions of it. And, and inviting Russell Ball onto the onto And the inviting Russell Ball onto the podcast. Um, I, I do fear now being referred to as Bobby Ball might end any... Uh, any <laughs> Any, uh, any hope of getting him on. But uh, no, acknowledgement, no acknowledgement whatsoever <laughs> that there was even crowd trouble and that there'd be an investigation underway. Yet, mm. you know, we had, when the pies were cold, we had full acknowledgement that a full and, you know, full and proper investigation was underway. So, yeah, just disgraceful scene. I mean, kids were crying and screaming. It was, it was you know... And you've got, you know, you've got to blame the people that, you know, it's not, it's a club's ticketing policy, but I mean, some of the, some of the people who were getting involved, you think to yourself, you're going to give yourself a bloody heart attack. Calm down, lads. Mm. But not good. Really not good. I mean, you know, you shouldn't no. be going into a football match in the home stands and, and feeling like that when you take your kids on. Mm. Justin, you saw some of it as, as well, yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm a little, I'm a little close to the halfway line, so it was sort of bit behind me and to my left. It, it was just a massive distraction from the game for me. You know, everybody to my left was sort of stood up, looking towards the back of the stand, trying to see what was going on. It seemed, it seemed to take them ages to come up and sort it out, ages to 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 uh, find who the culprits were. I did see somebody 
uh, get lamped as they were sort of, you know, manhandled down the down the steps towards the 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 exit. Um, it's quite a good shot as well. Um, um, although the 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 Everton fan who was on the receiving end of it did manage to stay on his feet somehow. So, you know, kudos for that. I just think, I just think it's just ridiculous the idea that the idea that you that you you know, you, you, you can buy a ticket for the game and legitimately, through legitimate means, and be sat in the middle of the home end as an away supporter seems like a recipe for disaster to me. What what are what are they thinking? I don't ever remember seeing that in the past. Uh, and and I, I was on with my son and we were both saying, oh, it, it must be somebody who's got a ticket off a tout or off one of these Facebook groups no. or something like that. Because it's just asking for trouble, isn't it? And football's worked so hard to to eradicate this this kind of thing. The very idea that the club would sanction the sale of tickets to away fans. I, I think you've got some some of the wording off the website there that that, that yeah the, that the advice yeah, I mean, to these the, away fans are which, yeah it's it's more than sanctioning it they're actually marketing these tickets to away fans because the explanation there it's there's no attempt to suggest these are just for Burnley fans I'm looking at it now so this is uh, a company called Seat Unique who are an official a partner of the club they're on the website listed with with various other companies. And they're offering tickets. I'm looking for the Arsenal game in February here. And you can go in the Jimmy Mac for 200 quid, 1882 lounge for 359 quid. Uh, and they go all the way up to match ball sponsor you can get as well. So, you know, if, if any if, if any Arsenal fan wants to sponsor our match ball, they can do so for uh, 999 quid plus VAT. But wow. the Jimmy Mac North Stand hospitality included um, two-course, all-you-can-eat, street food, buffet, relaxed seating within the lounge. Um, it goes into great detail about the lounge, which we'll get onto in a minute. But actually, it, here's the crucial bit, though. Paid bar, so it's not including free booze, but um, it does have street food and tea and coffee. Um, and then they take you to your seat, and it says, our hospitality lounges will mainly be made up of home fans. If you're a supporter of the wayside, then we ask that you are respectful of this and act discreetly in the support of your team. Colours wearing of football shirts are not permitted in our lounge, and anyone wearing colours or negatively affecting the experience of other guests may be asked to leave the stadiums. So the basically, basically, if you're an away fan and you're desperate for a ticket, you read that and you go, "Oh, we can go in." I mean, we can't Absolutely. wear shirts. We can go in. Mm. Yeah, well, that's just a, a disgrace, isn't it? I mean, what, 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 the the scenes that Greasy described with kids being upset and families having to move away from the trouble, and you know that shouldn't be happening in a football ground in in, in the Premier League in in 2023. And the fact that that it's it's the actions of the club that has allowed that situation to develop. Um. You know, it's a disgrace, isn't it? They they need to address that. They need to talk about it, and they need to to do something about it. Yeah, I mean, Chris, we Turf Moor's always been, been segregated for a long, long time. This is quite a new development, really, isn't it? That the club is like saying, okay, 
even though most of us on the outside, I mean, I was looking at this season thinking, when, when, when can I go home? And I'm hearing that every game's pretty much sold out. Obviously aren't if they're uh, moving these tickets around, these high-value mm. tickets. I mean, what do you make of it? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, I didn't, I've not got a season ticket and all the tickets uh, for the individual home games flew out as well. But actually, I've never known... We've all been an away, you know, an away fan in a home end and done the decent thing and just try to keep you cool, you know, if the results gone in your favour. But it's it's not too much to ask, is it? Really, you just you you're welcoming trouble onto yourself if you if you behave any differently. But I say I've never known it happen at, at, at Burnley. It's just it seems to be a phenomenon purely this season because of how, how the ticket situation is. Uh, has been handled. I mean, quite why they had to sell all the tickets up front unless they needed cash for something for uh, boosting Vincent's uh, summer transfer spend. I don't know, but it's uh, no, it needs sorted out. You can't be having some of those kids there will be probably like, you know, if mum and dad say, Oh, you want to come to the turf on Saturday? And they'd be like, No, no, I don't. I'm absolutely terrified. Last mm. time I went, I'd, mm. no, I'd, rather, I'd, rather, I'd rather not, which is absolutely. Ah, it's just heartbreaking, isn't it? You know, it's terrible. Woody, if you do, if we do, if we if we make a trip back home and we decide to go on, the, the good news is though that as well as I quote a two-course all-you-can-eat street food buffet with a mouth-watering array of options, ensuring you're well fueled for the game, there's even more, right? So this this just might tempt you to get your dollars out and fly over. You can stay informed with match day programs and team sheets, which add an extra layer of engagement to your experience. Do you think you'd be able to cope with that extra layer of engagement? I think I'd need that extra layer of engagement at the minute. But um, yeah, I don't think it's a problem that's just particular to Burnley. There's a there's an article in The Athletic from October that's been talking over the past couple of seasons. And its main point is, as the Premier League turns from being a domestic league, into more of a global league. That demand for those tickets is increasing across the board. And so we're seeing this issue. It's obviously new to Burnley because we haven't seen this quite quite a demand as we are doing currently. But um, all other clubs are seeing similar issues where these away supporters are, are coming in and causing trouble, etc. So I think it's as much a Premier League problem, uh, an all-encompassing football problem, than it is just a Burnley problem. But uh, it needs sorting, obviously. There was a big problem at United, wasn't it, recently? Was it the uh, Galatasaray yeah. home, ga- home yeah. game in the, cha- yeah. in the Champions League? And it infuriating United fans. It, again, it, this, it's never happened before. And it's, you know, how do you react? People are going to get upset if you're being goaded by an away, an, an away fan whose team are enjoying a bit of success on the pitch to your detriment. It's just this nature, isn't it? Reminds me a bit of, I remember going to uh, Ewood Park when I was about 15 or 16 and played Saturday morning under 15s football and about six of us decided to go to Ewood. We'd been knocked out at FA Cup in first or second round as it was in those days and it it was uh, Rovers against Palace and we went in the enclosure which was sort of, those enclosures were sort of where you could get away with it a little bit but it often would kick off, wouldn't it? You know, the little enclosures underneath the stands. Mm. Um, sort of semi-neutral territory a bit. But we went in there watching Palace play Rovers. We really had nothing better to do in our youth, did we? <laughs> but, but, um, and Palace equalised with about five minutes to go, if I recall correctly. 
and I think we sort of might have given off some body language. We didn't go, we didn't, you know, we didn't have the full biffs and celebrate, but uh, we, we, I think our body language gave off that we were quite pleased that, that Palace had scored. We certainly didn't react like the Rovers fans around us. And as we're walking out, we're walking, and there's the stand above us, there's fans around us, you're going towards like one of those little entrances where everyone used to crowd into one little entrance, didn't they? We're going through... And there were a lad called uh, Glenn Russell, whose nickname was uh, Damage when he uh, played. He stood next to me. And some bloke shouts out and he goes, bugger off back down to London. It's a long way home now, isn't it? Right. And uh, he goes, yeah, but it's not so far to Burnley. <laughs> oh! <laughs> we, had to, we, had to run, we had to run for about four. I think that's the first 5K I ever did in my life, actually. It was not fun. I went to Ewood one time, as a, sat in the home end, and they played West Ham in the Premier League. Just one, one of them, it was a Sunday, and I just I had a free ticket, blah, blah, blah. But I think they ended up winning. They ended up winning about six or seven, one or something like that. But I, I'd gone to the steward at half time. I'd had enough. They were they were about three or four up already, and I'd, I said to the steward, "I said, can can you let me out?" So I just don't want to say anymore. He's <laughs> like giving me a puzzled look, sort of thing. Like, oh, it's a, yeah, it's <laughs> it's grim, isn't it? Happy days, right? Mm. Well. I think we've had a good go there on uh, the good, bad and the ugly at uh, Turf Moor this weekend. Not so much of the good, unfortunately. But uh, we will be back uh, next week with our usual show, looking ahead to our uh, game against uh, bloody hell. It's Fulham, isn't it? Fulham, yeah. (laughs) Fulham Fulham away. That's how much you look forward to these games. (laughs) (laughs) Follow us on at B-Hole Podcast. Uh, Do leave us a rated and password around. Sorry to those of you who did send in a couple of comments and questions uh, for mention on the show. Simon Olding, Peter Howarth, David Clark, Crosspool Claret, Harry Slinger. All made points that we kind of covered during the discussion there, so I don't want to repeat them now, and we've gone quite long on this one, but do appreciate uh, your comments, and, and we enjoy that, that uh, interaction on social media. So um, until then, all the best and up the clarets. 